Welcome to Through the Looking Glass. This podcast takes a look of how our perceptions of ourselves and the world around us impacts how we relate to one another. The goal is to use the looking glass theory as a foundation while we discuss societal, cultural, and mental health concepts that allow us to build authentic relationships as we become authentic to ourselves, attracting the connections meant for us. So sit back, relax, and join in on the conversation. Well, we will be using the term post-traumatic stress disorder, or PTSD. This is not in reference to the actual mental health diagnosis. If you feel you are struggling or have concerns about post-traumatic stress, please contact your local mental health professional to assist you with further care as it relates to those symptoms. We hope you enjoy this podcast and we appreciate you listening. Hey everybody, thanks for coming back. We're on episode two of season two. Today we're going to be talking about a really deep topic, a conversation element that we have had a lot of requests about, and that's relationship PTSD and dating after breakups and divorce. Really heavy topics here. I'm so excited and and with much gratitude to have two very experienced podcasters with me today to give the male perspective of some of the topics we'll be talking about. We have Felipe Christopher Blue with More Than Therapy podcast, and we have Teroy Jackson with Thoughts of an Average Joe podcast. I also have my co-host Nikisha to help me with the female perspective of some of these questions. So what I'm going to do is hand the mic over to Felipe so he can introduce himself, give some about his background and his podcast information, and then we'll pass it on over to Teroy so he can kind of give us some background about himself, his experience and his podcast and podcast information. So over to you, Felipe, go ahead and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your podcast. Hello, I'm Felipe Blue. I'm a therapist located in Durham, North Carolina. I have a nonprofit called More Than Therapy and a podcast that is basically underneath that called More Than Therapy, where we just interview people and have discussion points regarding just being a better us in the process of thinking outside of our norm so we can be better in the end. And uh, thank you for the opportunity of being here today with you and Mr. Toroy. Thank you so much for being with us. And I'm so excited to hear what your experiences can bring and help for our listeners today. All right, we're going to hand it on over to Toroy. Go ahead and tell our listeners a little bit about yourself and your podcast. Um, my name is Toroy, uh, founder of the Thoughts of an Average Joe podcast, owner of the Average Joe Media LLC. I'm um, a podcast. We just basically focus on relationship, friendships, and uh, topics within the Black community. And uh, I mean, yeah, that's pretty much it. <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot. All right. I want everybody to say hi to my co-host, Nikisha. If you want to go ahead and let everybody know kind of your experience in, well, not so much experience, but why do you think the conversation around relationship PTSD is important? And what are some things that you've experienced or seen that kind of bring validity to that statement. Okay, hello everyone. Um, So to answer your question, Michelle, I believe PTSD, um, understanding it in relationship is important because people tend to operate based on their past experiences, whether it's a traumatic experience from childhood or I mean, you have some folks who've been in the military, it doesn't matter. Um, they tend to kind of react and move forward from that trauma 
based off of what they've been through. So I think it's important that the person who has experienced the trauma to be aware that they do have PTSD, be able to identify it and begin to work on those things before starting dating. And once you do begin dating, letting your partner know, share your past history with dealing with trauma. People always tell individuals, go seek mental health, go get mental health therapy, 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 which is so true. But the challenge is a lot of people can't afford it, right? There's, there's some barriers around calling up a mental health professional and trying to make appointment when you A, don't have insurance, when you B, don't have the money or a job, or when you see when you are in a mental construct that you might have grown up in a family dynamic where that was not seen as appropriate or don't tell our business this is a family situation or you're not depressed you just need to go do xyz so it's there's there's a lot of barriers especially in the black community about mental health and seeking therapy so it's so helpful to see other pods and people talking about some of these concepts to kind of take the stigma away from mental health because it's a challenge. Um, speaking from somebody who has anxiety, I, I've learned to make it more into a superpower. So my anxiety allows me to be very um, conscientious about decisions that I make and things of that nature, but it's still a struggle every day. So hopefully some of the techniques and some of the experiences that we share today will be able to provide some listeners with some hope, some inspiration, and maybe even some resources so they can start on their path of mental health in, in looking at it as more than just thing that you want to sweep under the rug, but something that really will benefit you and relationships that you're a part of. So like every podcast, we go into a clear, transparent discussion, and we want this to be as helpful and useful to the listeners as possible. We're going to be focusing today on traumatic relationships and breakups and how these impact future relationships. Also, it, how it impacts ourselves. How do we see ourselves after getting away from a relationship that was exceptionally painful? So to get us started, I'm going to go ahead and Jump over to Felipe. Do you have any experience or examples on how a relationship in your life or ones in other people's lives that have caused post-traumatic stress and have made it difficult for these individuals to go into other relationships after that breakup? Yes, I used to have a caseload of you know domestic violence victims, male and female. And just the impact that you know one traumatic incident might have had regarding such a relationship, how it might have fed into you know some severe mental health issues, some addiction issues, and the impact where they couldn't even navigate other domains of their life appropriately because of the fallout of such a relationship. Um, even with just you know people who didn't even have that severity, just how they navigate you know the relationships that they thought they find themselves in or the ways that they are interacting in relationships or the way they even approach relationships because of the pain associated with that past, letting the past dictate their present and therefore their future. Do you think that sometimes individuals end up in these relationships due to family dynamics that made the, the ground that they grew in just that more um, 
I don't want to say easy to fall in, but it's something that they recognize. Some of these family dynamics, some of these behaviors is something that they recognize. So they kind of gravitate to. Have you seen that when you look at those families that you've worked with? Yes, on many occasions, on many in many cases, even in my own personal family dynamics, it's like if something you saw your mom go through, or your dad go through, or your aunt or your grandmother go through, you might find yourself navigating life in a very similar fashion. Basically, if your mom was abused, you might find yourself attracted to relationships, and I don't even know how it works, but you find yourself in situations and relationships which you might find yourself abused, being in that relationship longer, because all you got to do is hit me one good time, I'm good, longer than they should after such abuse starts, because it's the custom norm because of what they saw in their youth. Right, right. And that could be scary for a lot of individuals, some who might be listening now. Um, something that we like to do with Genogram uh, can kind of track back some types of abuse and behaviors. And when uh, some people that I've worked with start to see trends, they're shocked. Like we, we're talking about it so easily because we see it from the outside looking in, but individuals going through that a lot of times don't even know they're repeating similar patterns until someone brings it to their, their attention. Has, has that been your experience as well? Yes, but even when you bring it to their attention, they don't even recognize it as being skewed or unnormal they just see it as a norm that you know it's not really a pattern that they recognize per se because it's almost like this is the way it is this is the way it's supposed to be you saw your mom go through it you saw your grandmother go through it your sister whoever else you don't know no other way of being if you were only fed porridge and then somebody gave you grits you're not gonna like grits right right and and how traumatizing is it to think if we interchange the word porridge and grits to unhealthy and healthy, if all you right. know is unhealthy, when right. you are receiving healthy connections or relationships, you don't know how to function in that. Right. You don't know how to function. And how about you, Taroy? Have you, do you have any um, experiences either with yourself or that you've seen with your friends or families where trauma within a relationship has made it difficult for somebody to move past that and, and form healthy relationships elsewhere. Yeah. So in my personal experience, um, I used to date my best friend and that caused just a lot of trauma for me. And it took me, a, it took me like five years to really get over that and really be able to trust again because she was my best friend. I'm like, if my own best friend can do this to me, then any other uh, women could do that to me as well. Mm. That, and that's a scary concept because in that sense, you don't just lose a romantic partner, you lost a friend. And I know for me, I need my partner to be a friend, but I know there's, there's mindsets where that's not necessarily the case. Uh -huh. So the fact that you just stated that, that can be traumatizing on different levels, right? Because you, not you didn't just le lose an intimate partner, you lost a friend at the same time, correct? Yeah, and then so like how I've always been is, I had to learn this the hard way. I'm able to separate the friendship aspect from the relationship aspect, but a lot of people can't. So a lot of people is when you date your best friend, all of a sudden the lines get, the, the waters get murky, and then you you end up losing both. And we haven't really 
we tried to like rekindle our friendship and it, it didn't really work. So now since I just lost my best friend of uh, three years, I talked to every day during those three years and now we don't talk at all. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And, and, and you did mention that that made it difficult for you to trust other females, right? Because like you said, if your best friend can do that to you, then so can everybody else. So yeah, it was it was just like it was just like dang, like I told you knew everything that I went through with other women and you took me through the same exact stuff. So it's like you I held you to a higher standard because you knew what I went through. You were there while I was going through it and then you put me through the same stuff. If I can't even trust you and you knew what I was going through and you knew everything that I went through, how can I trust other women? Right. Right. And that's another thing I see a lot of individuals go through um, when they come, they're coming out of a relationship that has been traumatic. There's a, you know, a couple of things could happen. They can jump right back into another one or they shut down completely emotionally and really take the time to heal. And the individuals that I see that jump right back into another one bring all that pain with them. And the way I explain it is like when you go on a vacation, relationships are an experience and you go on a vacation and you go get souvenirs and a whole bunch of other things, right? So you get souvenirs, you get receipts, you get garbage. You always come back home with much more stuff than you left. But if you're looking at a relationship and comparing those two, you have to unpack. You have to unpack because if you don't, you're going to bring not just the lessons or the souvenirs, but all the garbage that you collected to the next individual. And you don't allow this person to start from a fresh slate. And now you are using all of the garbage that you had and comparing it to this new individual. And that's not fair. That's not fair to the new individual because they're trying to answer for things that they don't even know what they're answering for. You know, have you guys had any experience as it relates to that? They would get out of relationships with their baby daddies, whether it was abusive or whether it was just didn't work out. And then I come along and it's like, I, it's, it's basically like they put a, a guard up. I, I like to call it, they put a paywall up on their heart to where I got to knock down so many levels just for them to trust me. But by the time they trust me, it's so, the relationship is so damaged. It's really not fixable. It's like, well, oh, my baby daddy did this. So when you go out or you're out late with a client, I don't trust that you're out late with a client, even though I've done nothing to prove to you that you can't trust me, but because you have trust issues from what the past men have done to you. Now I'm out here, I got to play Bob the Builder and I got to play Stick to Felix all at the same time. I don't know if that means it. Yeah, it makes plenty of sense. Unfortunately, people carry the baggage you know, like Michelle said earlier, from the relationship and apply that same baggage to you. I mean, I've seen it in my own personal experiences. I've seen it with clients. And it's just because a lot of times they don't allow themselves to heal before transitioning. Or they see attributes of that thing in that person. Okay, so he's staying out late. Well, when Buster stayed up, stayed out late. He was philandering with other women and having sex with other women, blah, blah, blah. So if my current boyfriend is staying out late, maybe he's doing the same thing, you know, because they haven't healed 
from that past relationship. And that's what happens when you jump from one situation to another situation without internally healing, without relearning yourself and establishing yourself or letting so many patterns dictate to where you are right now in a relationship. That might be the A perfect guy all around, but just because he has certain attributes that remind you, that trigger you, boom, now you just made that relationship the worst one. And it's, it's not going to end up the same, but it's going to end when that could have been marriage. That could have been wedding bells. Right, right. And it's really, it's really sad when you have somebody who is really trying to work with that individual and really trying to be patient, but they're getting dragged and hurt, you know, in the long run, because they're dealing with somebody who hasn't healed or who hasn't processed what they've gone through and just rushed into a different relationship. You know what I'm saying? So like I tell the clients I work with, if you don't heal, you're going to end up dating the same person. And when I get pushed back and they don't understand that, um, and, and they're like, no, I'm never going back to, to him. And the statement is you're going to date the same person, not exactly the actual person, but the same type the same energy, the same personality, the same triggers and flaws in somebody else, because that's what you know, that's what you have not healed from. So you really have to do the work to find out what is it in you that you feel those behaviors are filling for you. So they're like holes in your soul and these types of relationships are filling that for you until you address what those holes are or those wounds. And a lot of individuals don't take the time to do that. And some, a lot of it is because they're it's, it's afraid of being alone. Like, at, honest, an honest question for both of you all. How many people have you ever met that are okay with being by themselves and they don't have that fear of being alone? To be honest, I can't even name a professional that feels that, that dictation, that definition. I know plenty of people, normal clients, Professionals, lawyers, doctors, therapists, clinicians, social workers, nurses, doctors that can fit that bill. I can fit that bill on any given occasion. I, I find myself in relationships too long because I don't want to be alone. You know what I'm saying? Right, right. And how about you, Taroy? Not a lot. Um, yeah, I don't see a lot of people I know will try to go from one person to the next because they don't want to be alone instead of being alone, figuring out, healing. So that way, by the time you do meet the person you're supposed to be with, you're not damaged and they don't have to do extra work. Right, right. Would you would you all say it's a fair statement just to kind of just not not paint everything with a broad brush, but the whole, you know, everybody kind of gets one relationship that really drags them. Or do you think it's possible for somebody just to go through life, meet the right person in the beginning and just live happily ever after? Of course, you'll have hiccups within the relationship. But do you feel that exceptionally stressful, traumatic or damaging relationships are, is kind of eh, sooner or later, somebody's going to bump into one? I think uh, sooner or later, you are going to bump into one because you can't grow without making mistakes, right? So... I, I do know of couples that have really only been in one relationship and it works out like that. But for the most part, that's really not the case. That's, a, that's an, an anomaly because you have to figure out, I feel like in order to really 
know what you truly want and know what you won't accept and will accept, you have to go through that. Because once you go through that and you feel that hurt and that pain, then you'll know not to go through it again. Pain is a great life lesson. Once you feel that pain, like, for example, when you when I associate pain with lessons, like if, like with my little cousin, if they if if I tell them not to touch the stove and they touch the stove and it's hot, then they cry. They you know next time not to touch the stove because they don't want to feel that pain again. And the same thing goes to goes to with the relationship, whether you cheat or whether you just stay around too long or whether you let that person use you. You know that in that next relationship, you know what that pain did to you, and you don't want to go through that again. Right. Right. And how how about you, Felipe? Nah, Tehran, I mean, he he knocked that on the table. There's nothing I can even add to that to even give it more depth and to be repeating because that's exactly my stance on that particular subject. And what about what about the situations where you have relationships that should have ended a long time ago, but they just don't like the the relationship expiration date was a year or two ago, but it's just something that just keeps going and going and it could be traumatic. It could be abusive because it's not just and for the listeners, when we say abusive, we're not just talking about physical abuse. We're talking about emotionally abusive, psychologically abusive, spiritually abusive. And sometimes those categories have longer lasting impacts than the physical one. You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like a situation where people will minimize the impact of the relationship. Well, at least he's not beating on me, but that emotional or psychological abuse will follow you into every relationship. Kind of like what we just talked about, not being able to process through it. So now you've brought it into this new relationship and it's causing turmoil with somebody who might not even be like that but you are looking at them through that lens and when we talk about things like that i'm going to throw it back to the gentleman on the call what are some ways our listeners can kind of identify this in themselves and say okay maybe i moved into a relationship too fast or maybe i am starting to see patterns in the relationships i'm having or I'm starting to have people tell me I'm doing this and I've heard this from multiple people. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm selfish, I'm not trustworthy or you blame me for everything and this, that and the other. What are some ways listeners who can kind of look and do that self-examination before they go into a new relationship? So a lot of people, right? they don't want to look in the mirrors and have and hold self accountability and be like, maybe the issue really is me. Right. So how I look at it is right. If you get into three relationships and in those three relationships, after you break up, the person is in a better relationship and they're happier then maybe you're the issue. Maybe you need to look at yourself in the mirror and think about what your exes have told you or what people you dated have told you and really self reflect and be like, Am I really the issue? Because if I wasn't the issue, then I would I would be happy and I would be happy and they would be happy. But instead I'm not happy and they're better off without me. And then also people stay in relationships too long for either one or two things. Either they're afraid and they don't want to move on, or the potential. Because the potential is tricky. 
you, you can see potential in somebody and stay way longer than what you're supposed to. Like, for example, they can start off strong, and then over time you start to see the real them. But once you see the real them, it's no. I, can't, I don't believe that's the real them because I've seen them earlier in their relationship, and I'm convinced that I can tap into that and get them to be that person the whole time. But then when that doesn't happen, now you're three years in and you're, and you're like, I wasted my time when I could have been dating somebody else. But did you really waste your time, though, because of the fact that you saw the potential, but you also saw the reality? And the reality outweighed the potential, but you were so focused on the potential that you ignored the reality. And then when it comes to red flags, I'm only going to give you two chances. If I see a red flag once, I'm going to address it, and I'm going to tell you this needs to change. And if it don't change, I'm gone because life's too short to be wasting time for some people that don't really want to change. That's so true. That's so true. And especially what you said about the potential. And I hinted on that on the last podcast as well. I had a, I, I'm just going to be transparent here. I, I had a, a tendency to look at potential and not looking at their credentials, like looking at, well, this person, mm. this, that, and the other, this person could be faced with could be, this person could be. And then now I've built a whole relationship on something that's not even there. And it's, it's dating a ghost. That's a word. Yes. That is a word. Potential. But, oh, Woo! My, my goodness, the pain and the struggle it took for me to get to that realization. Just because you see something in somebody doesn't mean they see it. And just because exactly. you see what this person way. could be doesn't mean they have the capacity to do it. And is it fair to hold that person to a standard that they are not able to meet? And, and then whose fault is it? There's too many times I've seen potential not manifest. Some, I mean, a lot of times just in case those, but also in reality. A lot of times, you know, if that, that seed is not in them, that, that value system is not in them. You know what I'm saying? That belief in themselves, no matter how much you believe in them, if they don't believe in themselves, it's not in them. And that's a struggle, especially individuals in the helping field, because that's in us to help. So it's like, well, I know this person can do it. I know they can. But if they don't feel they can, guess what? It's not going to happen. So what the next question is, how does somebody determine their path to healing after a nasty breakup? So like I tell people, you know, everybody cannot do a cookie cutter approach when you're talking about trauma, when you're talking about pain and things of that nature. But is there a way individually people can A, address what occurred in the relationship and then determine what is the path to healing? What are some common things that we can do when we're saying, okay, I need to heal from this? Yes, I do have experience, unfortunately, with that. And I can speak from my personal experience um, for being in um, a marriage that didn't go so well. Not only did I have PTSD, but my girls, my two daughters who are now 20 and 16, both had, still do, you know, have symptoms of PTSD from that relationship that I went through. And um, I can say that we have, all three of us have been in counseling together, and we also had therapy um, separately to address that PTSD. And, um, you know, it's been successful and it's been helpful, but it still happened. It's kind of like a scar. You know, once you 
um, for instance, had a broken bone and, you know, you've already healed from time to time, you may still feel some aches. So it's important um, when you have experienced some, any level of trauma to be mindful of that and to have coping skills in place and know when those symptoms arrive, who are people that you can talk to so that you don't um, take it out negatively on your partner or on others. Absolutely. And that's an awesome um, point that you brought up about how the relationships aren't just about you and the person that you're in it with. It could absolutely involve family members or like you said, children who witness it or who see that dynamic and they start to learn different ways of being within a relationship, good or bad. So being that model of an example is so important when you're talking about relationships and how they how they unfold and being able to address it. And like you said, get, for you all, it was to go ahead and get um, some therapy around it. Even though there are some hiccups down the road, you did the work to allow healing to begin. And I've seen so many times where that doesn't happen or the person going through the pain is so much involved in their own pain they don't realize the impact it's had on their kids if that was the case. So I'm glad you brought that up. How would Absolutely. your experience be or what would you suggest for someone to, how to determine their path of healing after a nasty breakup? So I guess in other words, what are some tools and techniques that you feel are important for people who are going through a breakup, either if they initiated the breakup or they were on the receiving end, because at the end of the day, it's all a mourning process for both parties. What are some things that you've seen, have seen or used in your own personal life that's been helpful for you going through that process? Um, what's been helpful for me is to first acknowledge that, yes, you are dealing with PTSD. I am the type of person that's kind of like, well, used to be more like the superwoman. So yeah, that stone, that hurt, but I have to move on. There's people out there being a therapist. It's like, there's people out there who need me. So I don't have time to just waddle in this. I have to move on. So it's important to stop and identify the fact that yes, you've dealt with some trauma and to take that time to first deal with it. Um, I would say it's dangerous to jump out of one relationship and jump clear into another and not take that time to get the closure from the first relationship, as well as to take that time period to heal. That's important. And um, in healing, not everyone is open to therapy. It's just not, whether it's man or woman. So I would say to get wise counsel, someone that you trust, wisdom, someone who um, has been through, you know, some things in life and have learned from it, whether they were the person who caused PS PTSD or they have encountered it themselves, but seek wise counseling, even if it's not from therapy. And um, again, take that time to heal. Allow yourself time to heal. I know there's an old saying that um, people, a lot of older people would say, to get over one is to get under another. Well, I don't advise that because what will happen is you will find yourself with layers of hurt. So now you got layers of PTSD from several relationships that did not work out. 
So now you will find yourself at a point where you kind of, you pretty much crash and now you have to heal from all of those layers of PTSD. And that's something that I have watched several of my clients have to deal with. It wasn't that one thing that happened in the past or two things that happened in the past. It was several relationships from the father to, to the husband, to the boyfriend, to this one and to that. And uh, what I've noticed with, especially the, clients that I've had in the past and have now, some of them, they move so fast. It's like, I don't want to feel that hurt and pain. So when the hurricane comes and it's like, now I have to deal with my mess, it pretty much put them in such a deep level of depression. They have the hardest time getting out of it. And then a lot of times men or women, then they, they start to become bitter you know, it goes from moving on to let me get another relationship to, to I don't want it at all, which is not healthy. So it is important. The key things, I guess, and what I'm trying to say is it's important to acknowledge that PTSD. Take that time to heal. Give yourself that period of time of healing. Absolutely. Um, and yeah, and I like the fact that, you you know, you said it's usually one way or the other. And like I said earlier, you know, people either jump from one person to another or just shut down and you know shutting down doesn't necessarily have to be a bad thing if you're doing the work to heal but shutting down to numb is just the same thing as going into another relationship because you're trying to numb the previous pain so different methods trying to get the same result so I'm glad you brought that up so right my approach has always been um non-conventional right so normally what i do is let's say i'm in a relationship and i break up with that person i really wait about like two weeks right and i'll hit them up and i'd be like hey i just wanted to ask you something where did where did you feel like i went wrong in the relationship and while they're saying that i'm taking notes and then i'm replaying the scenarios back in my head then i'm replaying other scenarios from previous relationships back in my head to see if it's a trend and if it's a trend then I know that that's on me and I need to work on that before I get into any other relationship. So therefore I know not to do that or put any judgment on the next person that I'm with. Mm. That's what's up. I try to keep, you know, because I've already been down that road, I've already had experiences in which, you know, the fallout was what it was and, you know, just like, you know, he said, you know, talk to them about if they're willing to give me that information, give me that nugget. You know what I'm saying? I like to get the nugget as soon as we break up. You know, why are we breaking up? But I would hope that my communication, our communication is consistent and strong enough that I can check that and I would already be aware of it before it dissolves. The so, Achilles heel of any relationship is what? Any relationship, the Achilles heel is communication. That could be your work. Absolutely family that could be your lover that could be your children Achilles heel is always communication absolutely and and it's so difficult especially if somebody's coping mechanism is to shut down you know mm. and it's identifying some of these personality traits that are not helpful to the relationship and in being able to not just identify it but to have that discussion like you said um, communication and effective communication, not, not communication where somebody's yelling, throwing stuff, calling everybody, every name in the book, but effective communication to where 
the message that is being transmitted is actually being received with the same meaning. Because a lot of times, and I know I'm guilty of it, going to be honest here too, um, something that I've heard in previous relationships is, I hear what I want to hear. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> okay. So may maybe sometimes, maybe sometimes. But the, the issue is, okay, if that's the case, when I bring it up, because I usually say, so what you're saying is, it's kind of my te a technique I use all the time. If I'm saying it incorrectly, then that's your opportunity to correct that. So there has to be a team. It has to be a team, right? You have to have somebody who's willing to say, okay, these are where we're having challenges, but I'm gonna stay on the field. You know, I'm not gonna walk off the field and just leave. If we're gonna actually make this work, we need to work together as a team. So a transparent question for you all in your early, early years and maybe, maybe currently, like are there any personality traits that have been harmful that you have seen in previous or reoccurring partners? Like, has there been anything that you've seen in reoccurring partners that you're like, damn, I had the same issue with so-and-so, or I had this same issue with so-and-so. Have you guys ever ran up against that? Yes. Um, so in my current and in my past relationships, when I get into, when we get into disagreements, real bad disagreements, I need a couple of days to process it. Like, I won't talk to you for like a couple of days, but especially in my current relationship, seeing how harmful that is, I normally try, instead of going a couple of days, I just try to go maybe like an hour, pull down just a little bit and be like, hey, let's talk about it. Because even though I may need two days to process it, it kills her on the inside and she doesn't sleep that well. So well, therefore, I'm telling you, I as, a female, as a female, two days, man, look. <laughs> You want to go me for two days? Oh, yeah, we got some problems. So, yeah, I'm glad you changed that. <laughs> so I would change it and be like, okay, so I know we ain't on, like, the best of terms right now. Give me, like, an hour and a half and we can kind of try to talk this out, see what's going on and other situations. Because I can sleep well regardless, but she don't sleep well. And if she don't sleep well, it affects her all the way around. So I have to be mindful of that and make sure that, if we do get in disagreements, we try not to go to bed mad at each other. So then that way, the relationship overall is still functioning, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And how, and how about you, Felipe? Have you ever just kind of done a, a revamp or, or just look at previous relationships and say, you know what, I'm, I pick up a reoccurring theme with some of the partners that I've had. Not necessarily a reoccurring theme with the partners, but the reoccurring theme within self, you know, doing the same thing, expecting a different result, ending up with the same outcome over and over again. I guess in a way, I'm the very definition of relationship insanity. How would, how would you address that? For, for, and I saw it to Roy, you know, he actually changed the behavior. And that that's huge, changing the behavior. Like, even though it's easier for me to take these days out to do this, I know how it impacts you. And as my partner, I don't want that to happen. So let me see how to change that. And that's helpful. And in the situation kind of like you described in a previous relationship when, when, when he would shut down and it would throw me into a tizzy, I was like, okay, we're going to have to come up with some type of game plan here because I can't do this like this. 
So it's having that transparency and being honest. And we decided to come up with a code word. So mm-hmm. if he tells me, okay, I'm doing the term we use with space cadetting. If I'm space cadetting, I know to leave you alone for today. Mm. But two days, three days, we I don't know. But um, <laughs> but I know that's that's telling me you need space. You need a moment. It's not necessarily about me, but you need that. And I get that because I'm kind of the same way when when I'm going through something or processing something. I need a moment to get through the emotional aspect of it so I can speak intelligently about the topic. But the person that you're in a relationship with, if they don't know what's going on, you're leaving them to fill in the blanks. And that can lead to some some conversations, even some arguments, because they're making a whole storyline in their head that you're not even aware of, but you are playing a role in. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. It do. It do. So what would be some suggestions for people who are coming out of a nasty breakup um, on what they need to do other than, you know, kind of look at themselves and see what they need to heal. But like, is there an appropriate time frame when you come out of a breakup to start dating again? Is there like, you should, I've heard some people say you should see every season by yourself. So I guess a year I've heard some people say, you know, it's individual. How it, when you, if you feel you're good to go, then go for it. What, what do you both feel? Do you feel that there's a time frame after a nasty breakup or there, do you feel that there's certain techniques or things you need to do before you move into the next relationship? I, I just think don't... there's... Go ahead, bro. No, you got it, you got it. <laughs> um, I don't think there's a time frame, but I do feel like you need to... A lot of people, when they get out of breakups, right? they don't necessarily, it depends on how bad the breakup was or what the breakup did to them, they're not really confident within themselves. You need to spend time with yourself. Take yourself out, whether that's just going to the movies or going to dinner or just being in your element, whether that's reading books or whatever that is. Spend time with yourself to learn how to love yourself all over again before you get into another relationship. Because if you don't love yourself, nobody else can love you because you don't even love yourself. How can you how can you let somebody else love you when you don't love yourself? That would be my main advice because that's from what I've seen from previous relationships with friends and family to where they get into a nasty breakup and then they fall into depression. They don't love themselves. And then they try to latch on to somebody to help with the process as opposed to them fixing the process first before you bring somebody else into your life. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, cause you can't use a relationship to heal yourself. You can only heal yourself. Relationship doesn't do it. You can, you can get somebody who's a supportive partner and help you walk that journey. But at the end of the day, the work of healing is your own. Mm-hmm. Would you agree? Definitely. I definitely agree. And how about you, Felipe? What would be something, Hey, do you think that there is a time frame after a breakup before you go into another one? And what are some things that you would recommend that you do before you bring another person into your life? I would say no definitive time frame. just like the stages of grief. You know, people, they grieve differently. So just like a relationship breakup, you go through the turmoil of that relationship differently, depending on what the contributing factor of the breakup was, whatever, you know, time it takes to go through that, to work through that. Let's say if it was infidelity. And so that impacted your self-esteem, you know, getting yourself together in order to recalibrate, to be your best you again, 
which might mean, you know, using a life coach or using therapy or just some self-reflection and some self-work. I mean, if it was just the fact that, you know, that this was incompatible, then, you know, you wouldn't need as long to transition to another relationship if that's what you wanted to do. So I said, every situation, you know, garners its own. I've been in situations in which I might have had a breakup and I might have didn't start dating again until a year later. And then another situation that might have been two or three weeks later, you know, maybe not intense dating, but just dating around, you know, you get a feel of who, you know, I wanted to be in a relationship, you know, for that next season, that next chapter. And what are some things that you think should be kind of in your toolbox? Like, because you do have to mourn a relationship. When a relationship ends, there is a mourning process, like you said, in the stages of grief. But would you recommend something like in your toolbox? We talked about self-reflection. We talked about kind of looking at previous relationships to see if there's a repeating pattern. Are there any other tools or techniques that you have given to your clients or friends or family to kind of handle, look at, or do when you come out of a nasty breakup? Yeah, you know, um, journaling has been key. You know, especially when you give them journal props, you know, so they can evaluate the thinking process. You know, a lot of times people go into these situations or come out of these situations with very black and white thinking, you know, to expand their thought process regarding the situation. You know, letting them take responsibility for their contributing cause, if that was the case, and how to navigate it going forward. Education, learning as much as possible about healthy communication and healthy relationships and not falling into those same traps that got you into the situation that you now find yourself in. Having adequate support around you, friends, family, you know what I'm saying, in order to, you know, vent and talk it out and just be, you know what I'm saying. A lot of times we compress these thoughts, we compress these issues, and they eat us up. And it does more damage than good, you know what I'm saying? But when we let it out, when we process it out, when we write it out, when we talk it out, we're releasing that pain. We're releasing that power over us. Absolutely. You got to process it out. Because one thing about emotions, especially these low vibrational ones, they might not come out in the way you think they come out, but they come out in behaviors where other people pick it up, right? Where somebody can just say, they might not know anything of what's going on, but they just pick it up in your behaviors or how you're talking, how you're looking. You're not glowing the way you used to glow. Um, so it does come out. And I'm, I'm glad you talked about journaling because a lot of people think, okay, journaling, I need to have prompts. I need to have this, that, and the other. It needs to be Dear Diary. There's all, all so many different ways to journal. And here's a technique that I've used and have talked, told other people to use. There gets that time where you want to talk to the person, right? If you're on the receiving end of the breakup, a lot of the times there's that just that need, desire to fulfill that those habits, you know, you're used to talking to that person, like you were saying to Roy, um, every day, you're used to talking to that person, you're used to doing stuff, getting a journal to process, process that out in a way of, if this person was standing here today, or sitting here today, this is what I would say to them. Or if we were on the phone, this is what I would say. So that way, you're getting it out. But it's also allowing you to refrain from trying to reach out because reaching out after a breakup, it might not be the best idea. So, but it's always healthy to get those emotions out. So getting a journal just to write out your thoughts, just to say, you know, today this, this, this happened because that's what you're used to doing. 
And the more you do it, you'll start to realize you'll start to do it less and less, but it's a way to process that out of your system. So another so, question, oh, go ahead. Here's one thing I started doing, right? Since I started podcasting. If I wanted to talk to somebody, but I knew it wasn't the best, I would will, I will just get on the mic and I would just get on the mic and record it. I would never release it. The moment I got finished recording, I would delete it. But it's just to, and I would just act like the person's there and I'm talking to them and just expressing my feelings. And then when I get finished with the conversation, I just delete it. I've done that too. Holy cow. I've done that too. In in my situation, I would I make voice memos on my phone, on my iPhone. And I don't, but I don't delete mine. So when I start to feel drawn or weak, I'll just go back and listen. And there's something about listening to the pain in your voice that stops it right there. Like the desire to go back to where that person was. I don't ever want to do that. And some people might be like, oh, that seems like you're just re you're abusing yourself, re-traumatizing yourself. It, it could be, but for me, it works because I'll listen to how sad or how heavy I sound. And I'm like, I don't ever want to do that. I don't ever want to be in that place again. And that prevents me from doing any type of reaching out. So I completely um, co-sign that one. Um, making voice, it's something about hearing your own voice and something about talking it out which helps. So if you don't want to journal or write, like you could just pick up a recording of and make a voice memo. You can you can delete it like Troy does, or you can keep it. But I know for me, keeping it and allowing me to go back and listen to it if I start to feel weak has helped me not make phone calls <laughs> or not, not do text messaging because it's like, you are really hurting in that space. Would you want to do that again? You know what I'm saying? Mm -mm. So no, I agree with you. Yeah. The next question, um, finding the good in every relationship when it's traumatic, even when it's a nasty, painful one, what are some ways we can tell the listeners, you know, look at it as a learning experience? Because we say that a lot. It's a learning experience, blah, blah, <laughs> blah. But what does that really mean? Because if the person is not aware of what they're learning, that really doesn't mean anything to that person when you say that. So what are some ways we can tell individuals who might be currently going through a nasty breakup or trying to heal after a breakup, ways to look at that experience to find the good in it? Ooh, all right. So um, looking for the good in the relationship, I it's something that I usually use. One of my tools is the T-chart. Um, the T-chart helps you to identify the pros and the card, cons. So you pretty much, you know, this is something somebody can kind of write out and look at because right off the top of your head, it's like, oh, nothing went well in that relationship. Well, if it lasts for probably about two years, something went right. <laughs> so um, I, at times, would sit down with clients and even have done it with myself and utilize the T-chart. So it looks like a T, you know, and I write, I put pros and cons. What was going well? And that's easier for me to identify, okay, this was going good. This was going good. This is going good. Even if the negative, the cons were longer than the pros, at least it allowed you to see it and write it out. Look at it. So um, that those that's a tool that I use to look at um, the pros and what was actually going good. And I go back to, to say, um, when you're, 
reevaluating that re that time when you're away from you know where that relationship in and you're taking that time period for yourself this is where you also look at what went right what went wrong what was my role in this and usually when we sit back and really examine it instead of pointing the fingers and look at our role in the relationship to what we didn't do right to you're, you're able to really it helps you to identify what were the things that went right in that relationship? Because we, none of us, none of us are perfect. So it is definitely um, helpful. This is why it's crucial to take that time away and work on you. So to answer your question, I would, you know, definitely use that T-chart to help you identify those pros and cons. And for the listeners, I'll, we'll, I'll make sure you check out, if you're interested, I'll check out the pod notes i'll make sure to put an example of what that is um because we really have had a lot of amazing suggestions of different techniques and tools that you all can use and i'm going to make a little handy dandy list for you all so you can kind of just utilize whatever is speaking or resonating with you as you listen to the podcast so we've talked about journaling we've talked about voice memos voice recording um writing letters to the individual, writing a journal notes to the individual. These things help process the pain out, process the pain out so you can continue on your path to healing. The good they can find out of it, not necessarily the experience itself, but the information you derived from it, the relationships that you do not want to find yourself in, the types of things you do not want to put up with. Also, you know, it gives you strategies in order to navigate, to have better relationships based on what you learned from it. There might have been some good things, but I think reflection, reflection too much on the relationship itself, you know, the good times, the, the trips, the, the lovemaking. I think that's problematic because that may draw you back into feeling for that person and going back to that person. That's a very good point. That's a very good point. Because as humans, we kind of want to just think of all those things and not what caused the breakup in the first place. So I'm glad you brought that up because you definitely, when you're doing a relationship review to try to see what the learning is to not get caught up in all those feelings you had and ignore the fact that, you know, something caused the breakup, something caused it. Um, and to be honest about that. And how about you to write, what, what would your suggestions be? when you're looking at previous relationships to find out where the good was so you can at least take the good and leave the bad behind? Um, that's a good question. Uh, normally what I just tell my friends is like, look, I know you're going through a nasty breakup and I know it sucks. I've been there. It's not fun. But there's going to be greener pastures on the other side of this. You may not see it now, but when you come out of this, and you're finally what the person you're supposed to be with, you'll see why you had to go through that to get to that, to, to get to the person you're with now, to get to the person you're going to be with forever. Everything is all about a learning process. In order to get to where you need to be, there's going to be bumps in the road. It just depends on how you handle those bumps in the road. And sometimes, if you believe in a higher power or not, he puts us in that situation so we can learn from it. But if you don't learn from it, then he keeps putting you in that situation until you finally learn from it. 
And man, look, that's painful. <laughs> like, we're doing this again. And here's here's a, a, a little cheat code for the listeners. If you have gone through relationships, right? And I'm a big song person. I have playlists for everything. And you find yourself listening to the same sad, mad songs that you did in previous relationships with the new person, you're probably repeating some patterns, okay? Like if you're having the same conversations that you had with previous relationships, you're probably repeating some patterns. And it really does take that self-reflection to do some honest inside work because if you do not bring awareness, you're going to keep doing it. And I don't wish a, a nasty breakup on anybody, right? Because like the five stages of grief, it really doesn't go step by step. You can you can go to state to the you're thinking you're getting through acceptance and something triggers you and you're back to anger. So it's it's a process. And that process isn't fun a lot of times. And it doesn't matter what side of the breakup you're on, you know? Um, even, I, I know for me, I was the one who initiated my divorce, but there was still a mourning process that had to go with that because you have gotten so used to the different elements of that that's no longer there. So you definitely have to do that self-work. Um, here's a question as to going back to repeat partners, going back to a relationship that ended. Is that ever okay? And if there is, what are some safeguards to prevent repeating behaviors from happening? I think, um, right, I think it is okay, but it, 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 it's just situational. Let's say, for example, you and a person got together and you were just really young, right? And y'all just broke up, went your separate ways. But now that you're and y'all 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 didn't break up like real bad terms. And now that you're older, you want to try it again. I would I, I would say before you even get it, before you even decide to do that, have a sit down. Be like, look, this is what happened in the last relationship. It's been some time away. I've done this. You've done that. We understand each we understand each other better now. Can we get past what we went through? Or is it best to just remain friends? Like I said, now it's situational. Like if if you're, I feel like if you're getting like, if you're any type of abuse, then I'll, I wouldn't say that's smart. But if it was more like a a mutual breakup to where maybe things just died down or things just, or the spark just fell off and you needed some time apart, then yes. But if it's just like any type of abuse, then I, I wouldn't recommend that at all. Absolutely. And I second, I second that. If there's any type of abuse, not recommended. What about you, Felipe? The same, the same question. Is there, is, is it ever okay to reach a, a past relationship? And if it is, what are some safeguards that you would recommend? Yeah, I mean, I agree with them, both of you regarding, yeah, the, the one caveat would just definitely, if it has anything to do with abuse, stay away from it. Anything to do with, you know, drugs, alcohol, and that was an impact on the relationship, then no, because that might be each other's triggers. I, you know, I, I there's a situation I, I find myself wanting to um, reignite because I felt like, you know, we didn't really get a fair shot because we dated during the pandemic, right? <laughs> so let's do a do-over, you know, saying the reasons we broke up didn't have anything to do with anything. I mean, yeah, she didn't like some of the things I might have said or did. 
and vice versa. Not, not so much her. Um, not, not enough pain to say, no, nah, we don't need to be together. Just do things differently this time, especially as we go into the post-pandemic. And we can navigate our relationship more appropriately. We can date better. We can love better. You know, we get a, I want a um, pandemic pass. A pandemic pass. You know, but honestly, exactly what you two gentlemen have said, I, I, I agree. I don't see that there's anything wrong with going back to a previous partner, but there has to be some work that had to be done. It, it can't be a situation of you get a text, uh, the hate standard hey text i'm sorry i might be talking on myself you get a text and it's like oh we're good again no there has to, there has to be a conversation like i was riding with you in this car it broke down don't come back and pick me up in the same car like there has to be a brand new car some work mm -hmm. that had to be done you know something that says this is like you said a relationship review this is where we went wrong or where we had challenges, what are we going to do to prevent this from happening again, moving forward, and then make that happen. There has to be follow through because anybody can talk a good game. You have to look at their actions and behaviors as it relates to what they're saying. You know, the whole action speaks louder than words. So Keisha, do you ever feel that there is opportunity for relationships to heal past the breakup? Absolutely. Um, I think it's opportunity for the relationship to, you know, for each parties to heal and possibly become good friends, or it is a possibility they can get back together. You know, my thing is, if change took place, then yes. If change have not took, have not taken place, and it's just based off, oh, I hadn't been with this person in a long time, you know, I really miss them, and then you start um, reminiscing on the things they did well and not pinpointing the things that didn't go so well, then no, I don't think, I think it's a setup for a disaster. If change don't take place, change must take place in order for the second time around. I agree. I agree. Um, and like the, uh, everybody said, uh, Troy and, um, Felipe and myself, I, I definitely believe there's opportunity for a healthy connection after a breakup. But again, like Keisha said, that's after the work's been done. Um, it's, it's not something that you look back for just for comfort um, or as I call it, security blanket relationships. There has to be work that's done in conversations of what we need to focus on to move forward so this doesn't happen again. If the person is not willing to do that, then that's probably not the road to go. You know what I'm saying? So, so yeah, I'm going to be more communicative. Yes, I'm going to be more open. But then as we get settled back in, you're starting to see the same behaviors. Then you know you're probably in the same, <laughs> the same busted car, you know? So it's <laughs> like, we gotta, we gotta do the work together. And it has to be a team, not just one person doing all the work. So yeah, I definitely do. And I have seen relationships come back together. So Felipe, there's hope. I have seen relationships come back together and it's amazing. It's an amazing thing because the, the, they did the work to see what was missing or what was the challenge mm -hmm. or situations changed and now they're both in it for the right reasons. So, okay. but again, the caveat, if there's abuse, 
that's something something you don't want to go back to you know and on the, do the same thing expecting a different result exactly exactly there has to be you know it's a put up or shut up moment like have the person earn it don't just welcome somebody back and think every no you need to show me the behaviors before i agree you need to show me that there has been development before I'm all in because I don't want to put myself back in that same situation again, you know? Mm -hmm. So definitely things to think about on this pod. We covered some areas where relationship post-traumatic can impact other relationships. We talked about how your own accountability to yourself is just as important as it is to the relationship because you don't want to bring somebody in to a situation that's already damaged. You know, it's like, come on into my house. Sure, it's on fire, but ignore that part. You know what I'm saying? So, and you don't want to repeat the same behaviors or repeat the same relationship with different partners because that's a cycle. And if you see yourself doing that, there's something going on internally that's causing you to be attracted to this and you have to find out what that is. You know, is it mommy issues, daddy issues? You've seen this growing up. Is it something that culture or society has, has pushed to make you think this type of relationship is okay? If it doesn't feel okay, it's not okay. You know, It's not about trying to make your relationship fit for everybody else. If something doesn't feel right, it's not right really want to put an intention into your relationships because if you don't you're kind of left to get whatever comes up right so before we close out are there any closing thoughts you want to say to anybody who might be going through this right now um that you want to give a word of advice to and then kind of just go ahead and plug your podcast before we uh hit the road pace yourself um, i would yeah took the words right i'm gonna <laughs> take you your time. Face yourself. Take your time. Face yourself. Take your time. Don't tra- don't jump into another one, expecting a different result. Especially if you haven't healed in order to navigate it differently. Love yourself. You know what I'm saying. You should be your number one priority. Do what it. Do what you need to do to take care of yourself. Whether that's meditation, whether that's communion, whether that's spiritual or medical or mental. Focus on being a better you. Use every day to grow, to learn, to be better than the day before. Every relationship, you may, you know, it may not be, that may not be your season for a relationship and being able to accept that and use that time to be a better you, to grow, you know what I'm saying, to learn and to when it is your season again, to be in a relationship so that it can be the most fruitful, beautiful thing if that person is the person to accept that or to be willing to accept that. Everybody ain't for you. And sometimes it takes a while to get to that right one. That's right. And how about you, Teroy? He kind of took the words right out of my mouth. Um, when he said uh, it may not be your season being in a relationship, I've... Uh, I was that's that that spoke to me because a lot of people like I said a lot of people want to uh jump right back into a relationship when maybe uh God wants you to work on yourself so therefore while you're working on your yourself he's, pre- pre- he's preparing your forever person 
but because you're not willing to work on yourself, you keep missing that opportunity. And so therefore you keep going through hurt and hurt and hurt. And like I said, man, um, earlier, just take time to be with yourself. Take time just to do things for you. Even that's going on vacation by yourself, even that's uh, whether it's just going out to eat, just do things for you. So therefore you can get that comfortable. Learn to love yourself all over again before you have somebody else come into your life. Great information. Again, I am so happy that we had such a detailed conversation. We are going to open this conversation up over on Clubhouse. So check us out over there in the Looking Glass podcast room group. Um, Looking, the O's and Looking are actually zeros. And we're going to actually go ahead and open this up to have a bigger discussion with you all about what relationship post-traumatic stress looks like, what relationship post-traumatic growth looks like, and what are your tools and techniques that have been helpful for you? And again, I want to thank you both for being on the pod with me. I'm going to throw it back out to you guys so you can tell the listeners where to find you guys in the, in the pod universe. Let us know how to find you and um, what to expect, all the good stuff that you guys are doing over on your podcast. And I will absolutely have you guys linked on our Instagram page and, and all our shout outs wherever we're at. But um, tell us where to find you and, and what good things come are coming up on y'all's uh, season. All right, I'll go first. Um, so my podcast comes out every Wednesday, 6 a.m. Um, starting in July, I'm coming out with a new series called The Baby Daddy Chronicles. This is basically um, highlighting different African-American dads who are there for their kids because we always get this bad connotation, bad narrative that uh, Black men aren't involved in their kids' life. Um, so that comes out in July. Um, I drop every Wednesday, 6 a.m. I'm on every every platform. Uh, you can follow me on my podcast Instagram. It's Average JTPC. My personal Instagram is The Original Playmaker. And then... Um, I have a business as well. So if you want to listen to all my clients' podcasts, you can go to www.theaveragejoemedia.com. It's about four of them up there, but I have seven. I just haven't had them sign the contract yet, the other three. Um, and it's, it's real diverse. So uh, tap into The Average Joe brand and uh, check, check us out, see what we're all about. Awesome. Thanks. And how about you, Felipe? Where can we find you? And tell us about all the great things you're doing. Find me and my collective at morethantherapy.org, the podcast, More Than Therapy. There's two of us. We're located in North Carolina. My sister, More Than Therapy, is located in Virginia. We were first, so we're the originals. <laughs> um, and it's just about, you know, thoughts and interviews. Some upcoming episodes is about, you know, um, sexual trauma and the impact it has on mental health. Um the, the attract of being a professional for many years and then just have one tragedy offset you to lead you on a path of addiction and the road to recovery back. You know, stories about, you know, recovery regarding a, a mother who raised a child who ended up being a, in prison for 30 years due to crimes against him based on a, a legal system which is heavily, heavily penalizing on those that look like us versus the others. And, you know, just exploring thoughts and feelings and strategies and life the way it is. 
in this world that we live in, which is crazier now than it has ever been. And that's more than therapy. Absolutely. And thank you both so much for, for being on. I'm so excited to see what's to come and hopefully you'll make this a regular thing. And, and I'm glad all the listeners who have been able to get some knowledge, some nuggets from this conversation, look for us on Instagram, the, through, the, through the Looking Glass podcast. Again, thank you all for listening. And I look forward to talking to you next episode. You guys take care and stay safe. Hey, I hope you enjoyed this episode. And remember, even though mental health concepts might have been discussed, we are not a replacement for professional help. And if anything triggered you in this episode, please reach out to your local professional mental health specialist to seek assistance. You can also find us in the webs at The Looking Glass Podcast on Instagram and also on our YouTube channel, Through The Looking Glass. Check out some of our inserts, check out some of our guests and our links to other guest podcasts. Thanks for listening. Can't wait to talk to you again.